You're listening to Shit Adults Never Taught Us, the podcast where we talk shit in a good way. Welcome everyone to Shit Adults Never Taught Us, the podcast and the first episode. I think you guys are really going to like my guest today. I have Hava Miller and she and I talk about unusual upbringings and finding success in various forms that it comes throughout your life. Hava is an actress, model, and life coach with a psychology background, so we dig quite a bit into anxiety and mental health in general, as well as discuss relationship expectations and so much more. So without further ado, please enjoy Hava Miller. Hi, Hava. Welcome. The life coach, actress, model extraordinaire. Give everyone a little rundown of your life and the journey it's taken. All right. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> as so, I look at you in this beautiful backyard, I'm like mm, so jealous. I know. How did I get so lucky? I was one of those lucky few who actually gets born in Santa Barbara and then happens to live here again at 31. So very um, lucky. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to trade lives with you in my next okay. life. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, your life is amazing. I love hearing your stories. But okay, so like, I grew up in Santa Barbara, uh, one of five kids, and I have like an adopted brother, and I had a foster brother for 10 years, and yeah, just big, big family growing up here, and then um, I don't know. I feel like I could like run on so many topics, like whether I want to talk about. So let's start with childhood. You grew up in a big family, lots of siblings. Do you stay in contact and do you feel connected with all of them as adults? Um, I, I do keep in contact with my brother, my natural brother and sister. And um, they because we see each other at all the family gatherings now. Um, but they're a lot older than me. My sister's 10 years older than me, and my brother is seven years older than me. Mm. I'm like that, that later, later child. And um, my other brother has multiple disabilities. He lives in a home here, which I do see him regularly. But um, so I guess, yeah, we are in contact. But his brain is like a, like a baby brain. So um, when we hang out, I just get to tell him fun stories and make funny noises, and he's just a happy guy. Yeah, it's that's how I communicate with all people these days. <laughs> right? I go into the world, and it's like I've forgotten how to speak to people, and then I hear myself, and I'm like, "What are words? Honestly, if we could just <laughs> communicate in like noises, that would be better. That would be better, wouldn't it?" Um, okay, so you come from a big family. Do you feel like that shaped your identity a lot? I feel like, yeah, definitely. I feel like everywhere I go, I try to make family. You know, like I try, yeah. but not even consciously, but like subconsciously. A part of me is just like, oh, let's create this. Let everybody come together. And I'm like a gatherer, you know, and I like I find people who I'm like, oh, I just love you and let's do something and, and then bring other people in. Like when I did, um, did so many classes, but I think I did like a theater class in high school and um, that group of people just became so, so alive. And I, and I could see the part of me that needed that, but also the part of me that like created that because of my need. And yeah. um, because growing up in that huge family and then when I was around eight, it all like fell apart. 
and all of a sudden I'm like an only child my brother that's closest to me two years older than me was like he had decided not to be a part of our family and he was how old he was 13 and I was 10 and so it was like a bit of a transition year so I threw like the divorce and everything by the time I was 10 he um like the psychologist said hey you need to be like either you're gonna have one messed up kid or two messed up kids um there's a lot going on he just wasn't very kind to me he has like um schizoid personality disorder and pathological liar kind of thing and but he decided to not be a part of our family and would rather be in the system and so he went back and I felt like for that that like left like kind of a wound in my heart um because I as a young person thought he left because of me like that was too hard to be like kind to just me Mm. and he'd rather be alone in the world than than be nice to me and I didn't realize that was a big deal until like my last relationship and it like came up when I couldn't ask for like a common kindness from my boyfriend I couldn't even ask for him to be communicate with me about Christmas plans or something very simple like I got all choked up in my neck my throat like closed up and I couldn't speak I could cry to even ask that kind of simple question and I was like where is this coming from you know like I prayed I was like oh where is this coming from and then I felt like God showed me that moment that and yeah. that that lie that I had when I was that age during that whole like dissolving moment with my brother so if you have a brother who's two years older and then you have an adoptive brother who's nine years older you're looking up to everyone right like you're at the the youngest of sort of the whole family and you're you're constantly looking up to people Mm -hmm. and i it makes me wonder if at any point you felt comfortable even or had the words to as a kid to say hey guys i feel kind of weird about the fact that, you know, my brother just left the family and it feels very much like it was, I'm entangled in that. And was there any way for you to say, this is how I'm feeling. And then when you got older in a relationship, like, oh, did that come up again of like, were you ever able to say, this is how I'm feeling? Um, I, I wasn't as a younger person. And I don't mm-hmm. think my family had those kind of conversations, even though my mom's like a psychologist and she, I could have those conversations with her um after the divorce and everything and then we resolved our relationship when I was around 11 or 12 and um anyway but like with my brother and sister I don't and I still haven't had conversations like that I try to reach out to them and even know what's going on with them you know what I mean I never really had them take on that role of being like I'm gonna care for you and what are you feeling or how are you doing I never really had that from them it was always like they're doing crazy things with their lives and I'm choosing not to do those things because I don't want to you know like I don't want to do that too when you say crazy things with their lives what does that mean um just more in the in the realm of of choosing uh medicating over being alive you know what I mean to put in the simple terms and it's just like, I want to be alive and I don't want to choose anything in my life that's going to like dull me and, and take away even my own choice and my own connection to God and myself. And so it can be really hard when you share trauma with people and then watch how they react to it. And it doesn't align with how you react to it that you're like, but we have the same trauma. Why are we not yeah. seeing things the same way? And then you grow up. So this is all sort of 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah. 
and you're a lot like me as <laughs> redheads who are very eccentric. Um, you go into sort of acting in theater and modeling, which is what I did. And I was the kid that if there was a camera nearby, I just made you put it on me and then told you, keep it on. Don't even consider turning it off. I will follow you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would only assume we're sort of similar that way. Is that true? Uh, yes, I feel like I was like that for a long time. Um, but I feel like I got kind of stunted in some, in some parts of my life, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, wanting to do that and then finding out, like hearing somebody say that I was on the spotlight and having it be like condemned in a way or like she wants attention and stuff like that. And then I looked at myself, I'm like, I do want attention. Yeah, I do. And, but instead yeah. of accepting that, I was like, oh no, that's not good. And I feel like I had some years of, of trying not to be that, but it always coming out of me in different ways because it's a part of who I am and part of what I need as a person, you know? And now finally getting back to that now as an actor. So. Of course. Yeah, I wanted attention. I was the awkward kid who looked like no one because everyone had pretty blonde hair or pretty brunette hair or was tall and I'm like five feet tall. And I always thought like I was the different kid. Mm -hmm. And so everyone else around me was getting attention for doing all sorts of things. My brother was like a very good soccer player. And I had a, a whole realm of friends who all felt like they were doing really cool things. And I was like, I want attention. And that for me was a way of getting attention. But at the same time, it was also a way of me finding validation of like, well, do you like this version of me? Do you like this mm -hmm. version of me? And still, I, I found myself doing that in relationships. I found myself doing that in friendships. Um, okay, so quick question. Okay. Do you feel like you had anxiety as a kid? Um, as a kid, I never felt like I had anxiety about anything until maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah. But I don't know if it's like fully true or if it's the fact that, I don't know if you, do you know anything about the Enneagram? Yeah, I'm a seven enthusiast visionary. And so as sevens, um, we're in like the fear triad, the head triad. And um, for sevens, we pretend our fear doesn't exist. And we cover, you know, we use like fun and um, excitement, everything to, to just have a fear go away. And we look like the most courageous, most wild people you can meet, you know, like, she'll do anything, she'll say anything or whatever. But, um, so I don't know if, if all that adventuring was just a pretending fear didn't exist in me, but I never really thought it did until I started doing like that soul searching the last couple of years yeah. and even like identify that. And I'm like, yeah, that fear that I'll be abandoned, that fear that I will not have enough. Yeah, that can be a lot, especially as a kid to even comprehend. So you sort of throw yourself into other stuff. But I didn't know that I had anxiety as a kid until recently. And people were like, you were doing all this stuff. Like you were such a busy kid doing sports. I tried literally every sport that was under the sun and did plays and things. And everybody says, that's a form of anxiety, like constantly trying things and distracting yourself and keeping busy and trying to find your place in the world. All of that is sort of a form of anxiety. And yeah. I was just curious if we're so much aligned, if that was something that you noticed as well. Yeah. So you started after school with, you went to a Catholic college, right? 
no a christian college christian in, college yeah in um in colorado so in lakewood and that was crazy that was be- that was a wonderful wonderful time i have yeah. like friendships from there that i will never forget and of course i have an education in psychology and outdoor leadership and stuff but mostly the friendships um it's really yeah. special what made um that experience so special in Colorado? Was it like just being away from home, a new environment or different people sort of mentality? What was the drawing yeah. factor? Well, I feel like I loved being in a place where there was so many people my age and I just loved people so much that it was just like the best thing for me. And being so close to the outdoors, to the mountains where I could just go, go camping and do like crazy adventures. Um, and I feel like just that freedom of not having any rules or time frames. I don't know if I slept for years, you know? <laughs> I just was like, I don't even know. I, I would class all day. We would do like adventures and sleep on top of buildings at night and skateboard down like mountains. And, but for me, I think it was just that freedom just to do anything and, uh, and just discovering who I am and do you think there's any part of that freedom that you experienced in college that you were able to carry through till now that's a good question oh until now you lose a little bit of your freedom as you become an adult and you need to pay bills you're recently married like you lose a little bit of freedom so yes I miss it so much we're adventurous souls so we do sort of harness a little bit of freedom and I'm curious yeah. what part of that time in your life you're like I'm not giving that part up <laughs> <laughs> that can't go away oh my gosh yeah what part of it just my willingness to to do adventures you know and my willingness to connect with people and to um seek out to seek out, I don't know, my, my heart and, and to just dive into, dive into friendships, even, even when they're not like easy, you know, like I felt like there were so many blocks. And I realized when I was, when I was in college, I realized that the people that I really needed to be friends with, sometimes there would be like an initial block, like a jealousy or, you know, something that you're like, oh, I admire this man, but as a young person, ad- admiration can feel like jealousy instead of like, wow, I just really want to like walk life with you and yeah, and connect in that way. That's a really incredible thing to notice because I've always sort of found it hard to stay in relationships or to stay in friendships that are work that take a lot of effort yeah. on my part. I think in mm-hmm. my head somewhere along the way, I got this idea that relationships should be easy but it's the ones that I've like put the work into that are the best. Yeah. It's amazing you found that so early on. Yeah. I like discovering that like being vulnerable with another person and sharing them, sharing with them, like maybe your deepest, darkest stuff and them being able to receive it and share theirs. All of a sudden there's like this bond between you that, you know, you, you realize you can do anything with them there's that freedom you know there's a freedom there because you're you're the light is there and no matter any of the dark places that might come out there you know you and you're accepted and I feel like that is I feel like that's really important have I cannot tell you how long I went without being vulnerable with everyone or anyone for that matter thinking that relationships that probably could have been sustainable, just weren't sustainable because I refused to open up and I had closed off. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm not close with that person. So I can just cut them out of my life. And then realizing years mm-hmm. later 
that I'm not close with them because I never let myself be close with them. Mm-hmm. If I had had you in my life 10 years ago, I probably would have a completely different group of people in my life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so I think, to say. I think that lesson is learned so late for a lot of people. And honestly, for a lot of people, it's never learned because mm-hmm. we're just taught not to be vulnerable and suck it up and be strong. And is this lesson what propelled you into life coaching? and the psychology interest of people? It might be a part of it. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I wanna walk you through my decision process. It was more like I looked at psychology and I looked at all the classes versus biology, which I was going to study. All the biology, I didn't even know what the classes were called and what any of that meant. And then psychology, I'm like, I wanna take those anyway because that sounds fun. That makes complete sense to me. And honestly, my mom did the exact same thing. My mom was a child psychologist for 25 years, but she went to college pre-med and she was going to be a doctor. She wanted to be a pediatrician, I think. And she got to organic chemistry and she was like, nope, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Completely changed directions. I I mean, I can't speak for her, but I don't think she regrets a single moment of it. And I think paths take you down what you're meant to do. And if you look at something and it's not to say that things aren't challenging and you should do the challenge anyway, but certain times in your life, you're going to look at something and just know in your gut that that's not right for you. And you got to listen to it. And you did, you listened to it. You saw the course load and you were like, that's interesting. Anyways, I think I'll go that way. So (laughs) I admire that. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And then, um, I just feel like in psychology, it's, it's just really helped me understand like myself and other people, for example, like nonviolent communications, I really got into that and did some seminars with it. And just having that skill has opened up so much freedom for me and connection with people that I never thought I wanted connection with. And I was afraid of connection with people who kind of scared me who were a little bit more angry on the outside, you know, and I was able to like, figure out empathy, and like what even that is. If you were to give the listeners a quick rundown, how do you approach nonviolent communication with someone who's hard to connect with, who's hard to empathize with, someone that you see the world entirely differently? What would you say to that person? Well, I would say, I would just imagine getting in their shoes in that moment and looking in their eyes and seeing what do they really need? You know, like it, they're angry in that moment. It's What they need isn't what they're like yelling about or you know, what they're, they're saying, there's a need more than that. And then, and then knowing in yourself, like what parts of you have that same kind of need and just seeing the humanness and that, that connection with that person. And it kind of like melts your heart. And especially if you see them as a child, you just imagine this person as a child who doesn't have words to say what they need, or it doesn't have language or it doesn't have understanding of what they need. And then if, if you can just slow down and just look at them, you don't have to say anything. look and and it's crazy how much we can see in other people and what we can sense and what we can know without anybody saying anything and if we just take some time to listen with our hearts with our mind whatever it is that you can listen with and you can see so much I had this conversation almost exactly this conversation uh today because I was talking to a coworker and it was like, okay, I came at a situation very reasonably of like, we've got to talk about this thing. And she started at a hundred, started all the way at the top of like the anger level. And I just went, okay, 
We can have the conversation. I'm happy to meet you up here. We can have the conversation at 100 if that's where you want to be. But I want you to understand you read an email based in this mindset and I'm nowhere near that arena. So it would be, I think, far more productive for both of us if we just sort of come all the way back down to zero and start over and let's figure out, let's say it with the tone and the words. And in that moment, it really was that. I was like, I can see you're angry about something that's completely different. And if I can help deescalate whatever that is for you at this moment, I would love to do that. I know it has nothing to do with the conversation we're having. And if we can take this conversation as a metaphor, <laughs> then yeah. let's bring it all the way down. I mean, it is, you see the empathy in people when you come at things from that way, because everybody wants to just be happy and healthy and get through life in a really productive way. I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning being like, I cannot wait to be in a shitty mood all day and just yell at a bunch of people and get in like three or four fights and scream at a barista. Like, make a viral video. Nobody wants that in their day. No. So I think if you are able to see the humanity in people, you'll have less of those moments. Yeah. People want to be seen, you know, and even those moments, they're not seeing themselves. And so yeah. for you even to like mention, like, it seems like there's something else going on. I mean, sometimes I can just break somebody to be like, well, you notice, like you're not taking offense to my obviously terrible behavior people know they have bad behavior i think and they're ashamed of it and so taking out that shame and just saying are you okay i think that there's a lot or to say i hear you i see where you're coming from i understand what you're feeling right now but i want you to know how it's being received on my end and i don't know if that's intentional or not but maybe if you understand how it's being received, you might want to have a different conversation or yeah. not yeah. because we're so quick to just match somebody at their level. And I'm like, when somebody comes in really hot, I'm so mad right now. I like to be like, I can totally meet you where you're at if that's where this is going to go. But I want to provide an alternate option as well. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what do you really want from this? I don't feel like you do want me to meet you because no. there are just two people screaming across the room and nobody wants yeah. that. Nobody uh, hears anybody. Nothing happens. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Through the journey of psychology and life coaching, what do you think the biggest lesson you learned about yourself has been? Mm, that's a good question. That I, kind of like going along with what we just talked about, is like I, I understand more than I think, and I have more available to me than I, I ever thought I, I did. And I see my patterns of wanting to, not wanting to get stuck, getting stuck in like not making things happen, you know, or, or bad or mindsets that like make me feel like I can't produce anything or be good at anything. And um, I'm finding out that like me just doing and, and, and saying yes and being like, this is what I do know from what I see. And like just going with that has given me so much um, just ability to move forward. And I just find that about myself that to, to step in and have courage and not know everything is, is, has been really empowering for me. Stuff starts happening when I, when I say yes. I know that there's a little thing in me that wants that. It's a, um, learning how to really, really trust myself. And, and, that, <laughs> and that I've always been really good at that. As yeah. like, even like I look at myself as a young person, I was like, 
Well, I really, really trusted my my heart and my gut and and I saw things in a really, really simple but beautiful way. And actually life is can be a lot simpler than we make it. Can I ask you a few questions about your life now? Yeah. Do you think there's anything about this moment that you're living right now that you want to hold on to for the rest of your life? Much like you said when you were trusting yourself, like you've had that since you were a kid. Is there anything about maybe the past year or the past two years about you that you've learned about yourself that you just want to keep forever? Yeah. Yeah? I think so. Yeah. What, what would that be? <laughs> oh, there's beauty in slowing down. Yeah. That's a really important one. And one I think we had to learn in a harsh way this year. Yeah. And that everything we need is already here. Yep. I don't need to spend any more of my life like reaching and changing everything, but everything is right here. And, and, and if I even like know that, even believe that, things just start happening and changing in life. It's not like I want to stay stagnant and not move and not do amazing things, but to do any of it so that I could change me or change my life or, you know, change how things are. I love that. That's perfect. Yeah. That's definitely perfect for the past year that we've had. Okay. What's one piece of advice that you wish you had at 18? Yeah. Yeah. What you have to give to the world isn't that you made money and, you know, or that you produce something that you're productive, but the fact that whatever you have in you is, is like thought of before the beginning of time, like what you have in you and what you have to offer the world creatively is already in you and it's just what you're doing is is kind of like like Michelangelo when he gets a big stone he's just like chipping off all the pieces until he finds that David inside and, and really that's that's what we're doing whatever route that takes so honestly what a beautiful visual that was okay what is one piece of relationship advice that you want to share oh so many things this is my favorite topic <laughs> Um, I would say throw away a list if you wrote one, you know? A list of what? A list of qualities you're looking for a person or a pro-con list with this person or what kind of list? Uh, more like a list of like qualities in a person um, because it's interesting because you can find somebody that is exactly all these opposite things, but they're actually better than you ever thought. You know, and, and I would also give people the, the advice to look, to see the people that they've over, overlooked, you know, because I feel like I hear so many people saying, oh, there's, there's no men for me or there's no women for me. It's like, actually, there's, there's somebody in your life right now that is, is special. And what you're going to build together is, is what is going to make it like glorious. You don't have to follow after some spark thing because spark grows and you build fires. You don't. You don't find them. You don't want to be caught in one. You want to be able to like create one that can be warm and continue to be warm forever. Man, that is so good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. What's one emotion you wish you were better at? Better at? Uh, anger. Anger. Why? Well, I feel like if anybody asked me at one point last year, I was talking to a psychologist and I was like, I don't get angry. And he's like, actually, that's, that's not possible. 
it's like part of like the human being gets angry I'm like I don't think so <laughs> and I'm like okay it's gone and I've been pushing it away and then when I find it when it's there I realize a lot of it is attached to it's the parts of me that need to be healed um, or need to be protected or parts of me that actually want to do that for other people. And I think if I'm more in touch with even that part of me, I could care more about the world. I care more about people, I care more about injustice or things that are going wrong. And I, and then blocking any emotion, especially that one, is is blocking me from actually being more human and part of just that story. I had such a similar story. I was seeing a therapist for a number of years and I kept describing my scenarios, my situations as I'm so frustrated. I'm just so frustrated. I'm frustrated with this person, frustrated with the scenario. But then every single time we talked about anger, I'd be like, I don't get angry. I'm not an angry person. <laughs> I'm not because I thought anger was yelling and I, I'm not a person that yells a lot. And she was like, you understand most of the times you're explaining frustration, you're explaining anger. And I was like, no, no, I don't get angry. But if you start labeling it as anger, then you can start to move through it and you can work through it. When you're frustrated, you just sort of shut down. You throw your hands up in the air like, ah, yeah. where if you're angry, you can work through why you're angry and yeah. all of the components of that and then actually get to the other side of it. And that changed so much for me. Uh, when you said that, like, we need to move through it so we can get to the other side. I don't know if you ever read that, like, children's book about, like, the I'm going on a bear hunt. I'm going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. And then it was like, and then they run into, like, thing after thing. Like, oh, big muddy ook, river. What are we going to do? We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We have to go through it. <laughs> And then thing after thing, like, oh, we, we can't go over this. We can't go under it, but we have to go through it if we want to go on this bear hunt and this beautiful day. I hope kids understand that they're just talking about emotions because I feel like most kids yeah. are just going to read that thinking it's about a bear hunt. I know. <laughs> I, I don't think I got that for a really long time. <laughs> it's good that you had it, though. Hava, thank you so much for coming on. This, I've loved every second of this chat. Thank you. This is amazing. Can you tell people where to find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram, HavaBB. And you can also find me on Facebook, Hava Bethany Bilo. I do need to change my last name. It's now Miller. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's all for today's episode. Check back in next week to talk a little more shit with me. In the meantime, be sure to grab your copy of Shit Adults Never Taught Us on Amazon and Barnes & Noble to learn all the shit adults never taught us. And in case no one told you this week, you're killing it. So keep going, you genuine badass.